Today, I'm going back to uh, where we were before. We're talking about the seven dispensations of time, seven dispensations. And today I want to talk to you about the sixth dispensation. We're going to talk a little bit about, wrap up here about the seventh dispensation since it was such a very important time. Now, I'm going to put this chart before I put our lesson on. You're getting your lesson handouts now. While you're doing that, let me put this chart up here that you can see. And uh, this is the Old Testament, 4,000 years up to Calvary. Then since Calvary until now is 2,000 years. And we've got a tribulation period here that's really part of this church age. This is a church age right in here. This uh, seven golden candlesticks represents the seven churches of Asia, which is symbolic of the church age. And uh, the rapture is the next major event take place, and then there's a tribulation period. This is only about anywhere between seven and 14 years, about 10 years. And then there's Armageddon when the Lord comes back with 10,000s of his saints. We're raptured away just before all this tribulation happens. The Bible says that we are not appointed under wrath. And the Bible says here in the last verse, chapter 6 of Revelation, the, his wrath has come. And when you read all that, you realize that it's a great deal of judgment. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. So, but anyhow, we want to talk to you about this wrap-up time now. I have this chart uh, broken up into these dispensations. I'm going to show it again here for all of us. You've had these handouts before, and this is the one that we have broken up. If you see these lines, this is where they're broken up. We had the dispensation one, two, three, four, and then we were here on number five, which lasted from the, uh, from the time that the children of Israel were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. This happened in 606 B.C. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar came back again in, uh, in 597 and then back in 588 and destroyed the city. The temple destroyed everything to the ground. Daniel and the three Hebrew children were taken, of course, before that in 606 B.C. They were taken over to Babylon and they served the king of Babylon and finally later on even the king of the next empire that would take over the Babylonians, which was the Medes and Persians, which was Persia, which is Iran today. They would take over, and so he served that king as well. And then there was, of course, the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And then there was also uh, Ezekiel, who was also taken captive and was taken over there in Babylon, and he spent the rest of his life over there as well. Jeremiah uh, stayed in Palestine and was with the poor people and prophesied there. And now I'm telling you all of that because Daniel's prophecies, amen, was very important. Now I'm going to have you look at number one on our lesson here. And I'm going to talk to you because we're going to go in, uh, we're going to finish up here and talk to you a little bit about what's going on. Folks, there are some things happening in the world right now, especially with Israel, that's bordering on prophecy. It is. And I'll show you that, if not in this lesson, in the lessons to come very shortly. Uh, and you know about this. I think your pastor mentioned this to you. But last week, or week before last was, I can't remember. 
Well, we had our, uh, the anniversary of the, of the church and everything. I think it was last week, wasn't it? I can't remember now. No, it was, it, you know, okay, it was the week before. Anyhow, uh, on Tuesday, the, the Sunday service was on a Sunday, and then on Tuesday, pastor and several of the preachers went out together to get lunch together. And one of the pastors said, I, I got to take this call. And when he answered the call, it was one of the ex-presidents of the United States calling him. And he said to the ex-president on the phone, do you, I am on the phone here with some preachers. Do you mind if I put it on speakerphone? And he said, no, I don't mind at all. And they put it on speakerphone. And so your pastor could hear the conversation going on between uh, this, this pastor and the ex-president of the United States. And the ex-president of the United States was saying to this ex-pastor, is this the time that God is going to deal now with Israel? I know that, and he was talking about, uh, you know, Zechariah, talking about uh, uh, Jeremiah 14, uh, 30, what is there? Ezekiel 37, 38, 39, 38, 39. Talking about Ezekiel 38, 39, and also Zechariah 14. He was talking about all those things. Is this when God is going to start dealing with Israel again? And uh, so they had a little conversation going like that, and they said, we're getting close. Now, Jesus said, when you see all these things begin to come to pass, then look up. But here's a, an ex-president that knows, because he's heard it from Pentecostal preachers, that things are going to happen. And he was told by one of our preachers as well, but when he was still president, don't forsake Israel. Don't forsake Israel. America has to stay with Israel and for Israel. Now we're seeing things right now going to this happening that's really beginning to shake up the world. And so I'm going to talk to you about that. And we're going to refer to Ezekiel 38, 39, some of these other chapters in, in, uh, in, in future lessons. Today, I want you to look very closely here to what I'm going to talk to you about us going from the fifth uh, dispensation into the sixth dispensation, which is the church age. So if you'll look with me again, if you look at, I'm going to put the chart up here. This is, this is what you have in your hands here. And if you will look with me here. I had written some, some footnotes on it. Okay. Anyhow, if you look with this, let me just put the focus on here. We're looking at number one here. And I'm just, as a reminder, the fifth dispensation would end with Israel's rejection of Christ, that is the crucifixion, and the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, I want you to go to Daniel chapter 9. This is a, simply a review, real quick. Review here. And uh, as you well know, in the ninth chapter of Daniel, Daniel prayed and asked God to forgive him and all of Israel for their sins and transgressions. He came to realize by the writings of other prophets that this was something that needed to be done and that if they would repent of their sins, God would forgive them and restore them. And then the angel Gabriel came to him in verse 24. This is 924, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. 70 weeks, these are weeks of years. 
that turns out to be 490 years that he talked about. And he goes on about what would happen. And all of that has already happened. All of that has already happened. And then he comes down to verse 26. This is Ezekiel, this is uh, Jeremiah, sorry, pardon me. This is uh, uh, Jeremiah, I'm trying to say Michael. This is uh, Gabriel, the angel. And look at verse 26. This is what Gabriel says to Daniel. And after three score and two weeks, we're talking about we're talking about 70 weeks here. After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Messiah be cut off. This is a prophecy here where that the Messiah who would come would be killed. Cut off means killed. But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And that did happen. It happened in 70 AD. And it was prophesied we're here in Daniel way back there, 400, 500 years before it ever came to pass, Daniel prophesied about it. And everything Jesus knew was in here. And that's why Jesus told them, you know, you're gonna reject me. And then you're gonna be, and that's why Jesus wept over Jerusalem. In the book of Luke, verse chapter 20, chapter 19, I think it was, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would that I could gather thee under my wings as a mother hen does her chicks. But ye would not, for you knew not the day of your visitation. That was him coming to Israel to save Israel, but Israel rejected him. You well know that. And the, the crucifixion was their rejection of him. Even though uh, the Romans crucified him, they judged him, condemned him, and turned him over to the Romans and asked the Romans to crucify him. And that's what happened to Jesus. And so it was prophesied here that that would happen. And it says, I'm going to read this 23 to 93 score in two weeks. Shall Messiah be cut off? He was, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come. That was Titus. That was the Roman army in 70 AD. It did happen. And destroy the city, the sanctuary. And the book of Josephus, which is a thick book, gives a detailed history of the whole war, what happened, how it all happened, how the Romans came down and so forth. And then it goes on to say here in verse 26, and the end thereof shall be with a flood and, the end, and, and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, you notice here, this is the end of, of, uh, this is the end of 69 weeks. And then it says another week involved. You look at verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Who is the he? We know from history that in, in 133 or 132 AD, just, just 70 years later, or about somewhere right in there, uh, there was a Roman emperor by the name of Hadrian who came into power and Hadrian uh, told them, uh, told the Jews, you can go back now and start uh, worshiping in your your city and the temple's gone, but you can go there now and start worshiping and be like a normal people. And when they did, they raised up a Messiah and the Messiah, and they started printing coins showing the temple on the temple mount. And they've started getting rebellious against Rome all over again. And so this went on, rocked on for three days. And then finally Hadrian took an army and went back into Jerusalem and destroyed Jerusalem all over again to the ground. I mean, wiped it clean all over again. 
And, uh, and it was, uh, he, he'd done it in the, in the middle of that seven years that he allowed them to do it. And so three and a half years, so 135 AD, he came back again. So if you read verse 27, and he, Hadrian, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, that's seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice and oblation to cease. They were often sacrifices, but they had no temple yet. For the overspreading of abomination, overspreading now, worse. And he shall make it desolate, that's Jerusalem, and even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So if you'll notice here, that that happened in the middle of the week. So there's three and one half years still left. Now in the book of Daniel over in chapter 11, Daniel starts asking the angel, explain the rest of this to me. And he said, no, Daniel, seal up the book. It's not gonna to be told you. You're gonna live out your life and then go and be with the Lord and your fathers and everything. But this is all that I'm gonna be able to tell you. Later on over in the New Testament says that the angels desired to look into the church age, but they did not. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that there was a, a stopping point here where the, the crucifixion and then the, uh, the, the city was destroyed. And so it leaves things hanging in the balance. And look at verse two here now. The sixth dispensation, I'm changing, gonna change the whole subject here a little bit. We are talking and I've been talking here about how Israel has been put on hold. And just for all of our information, they're still on hold. They're still on hold, but we're getting close to that end time. Because he's saying now the sixth dispensation, number two, everybody with me on this? Have I lost you or are you still with me? Okay, good. Uh, number two here. The sixth dispensation, the church age began with the Jews. It began with the Jews. Now I'm gonna read some familiar scriptures here to you, but I'm just tying things together. And uh, I want you to uh, I want you to notice here that we're we're going to read here in Acts chapter two and verse four, uh, one four, and being assembled together with them, commanded them. This is Jesus with his disciples just before he ascended to heaven. Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, not many days hence. Down in verse nine, it says that when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, Jesus. He ascended into heaven. This was after his resurrection now, and he was on earth for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 12. Then returned they to Jerusalem from Mount called Olivet, which was on the east side of the city of Jerusalem, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey, which is about a mile. Now, this is what happened when they went to the upper room. They went back to where they'd had the last supper. They got down on their knees, started praying and seeking the Lord, and they saw God therefore begin to pray and seek the Lord. And they prayed there for about 10 days. And look at verse, chapter two, verse one. Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. This was a feast day that was 50 days after the Passover. Jesus was crucified on the eve of the Passover. And then he arose from the dead and he was on the earth for 40 days. So I left 10 days yet. So when they went back to Jerusalem, they began to fast and pray. And they were in that upper room for around close to right at 10 days. You understand with me? 
and when the day of Pentecost was come, another feast day, which is the, also the feast of first fruits, when the day of Pentecost was first come, verse two. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all, all A-L-L, every one of them, the, the, all the 120 that was in there. They were all filled with the, with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so this is what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began to pray and worship God and glorify the Lord. And the Lord had told them, if you go there, and I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. Praise the Lord. So this was a commandment that was given them. They went there. They prayed. Uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. I can't remember now. We were in Israel. And it was uh, the day of Pentecost happened while we were there. We were in Jerusalem. And consequently, we were also there went and visited the upper room. We visited the upper room and uh, we were in there walking around and it was the day of Pentecost and there were some people from, from uh, they, were, they were Hispanics. They were either South America or Spain, I don't know where they're from, but there's a group of them and they were Pentecostals and they went over there close to one, sec, one side by themselves and they began to pray. And folks, while they were praying, boy, you could feel the Holy Ghost. So I was with our group, and so I moved away from them and went over there and just stood behind them and lifted my hands and began to pray, and I could feel the Holy Ghost all over me. It was a marvelous thing to pray on the day of Pentecost, not the day, but you know what I mean, the celebration of the day of Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday, I guess you'd call it. We call it that now, Pentecost Sunday. And I was praying and everything, and I felt the presence and the wonderful presence of God. I'm just saying, God, folks, God's presence is everywhere. Praise God. Praise the Lord. The only place I never could feel it was when I went in the empty tomb. And I was in there by myself for just about three or four minutes. And I began to worship God, and I felt nothing. And I couldn't figure it out. I felt it at the wall. When I went to the wall to pray, I felt it there in that upper room. I'm in the tomb where Jesus is supposed to have been placed and I felt nothing. And I, and I thought, why, why am I not feeling anything here? After that, I went to communion. We had communion and I was praying at communion and I was praying and I could feel the presence of God taking receiving communion outside in the park. And I said, God, why couldn't I feel your presence in the tomb? And he said, because I'm not there. The Lord spoke that just as clear as he would have said it out loud to me. You didn't feel my spirit in the tomb because I'm not there. Praise God. I said, thank you, Jesus. I got the message. Hallelujah, folks. But he's all over the world. He's everywhere. There's no place that he's not, but he reserved that spot to say, I'm not there for me, whatever. I'll, I'll just leave that and go on here. Well, then they have the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost and they began to speak with other tongues. And all these people that had been gathered there for this feast day of, the, of, of Pentecost Sunday, of Jews from all over the place, there were 16 nations represented. They were Jews that had been scattered all around the country, this side, all around Italy and Greece and, and, and Babylon and Iran. I mean, you name it, all over the place. They were, they were just Libya, 
Uh, I could, I can't even begin in 16 nations and it names them here in verse five, down to verse 10, 11, uh, down to verse 11. And, and finally it says that they all heard them speaking in tongues and they heard them in their own language. Some was, in other words, every Jew could speak, you know, his own language, like, like uh, I think it was uh, Aramaic was what they spoke. It wasn't true Hebrew at that time in the New Testament, but they spoke an Aramaic language. But then they could also speak the language of the country that they were out of. And then most of them could also speak Greek, which was a commercial language. You know, when you bought and sold stuff, they used Greek. I won't get into all of that, but I'm just saying that they heard them speak in that language where they were from, where they were born and raised. And they say, why is it that we hear these Galileans who grew up in Galilee and they don't know these languages? How is it that we hear them speaking in that language? And that's what tongues is all about. When people speak in tongues, they speak in a different language. Amen. Praise the Lord, a language that God himself, praise the Lord, puts upon them. And so something, I know when my, my daughter received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and just talked in tongues, talked in tongues, I know it had to be some kind of Chinese or something because she just talked away for, I don't know, for almost an hour, just walking with her eyes closed, talking in tongues when she was just a girl and everything. I'm just pointing out to you here how that speaking in tongues is speaking in a different language. Praise the Lord. We don't always know what it is. I heard a Haitian woman in our church here, not here, but in the old church down there speaking fluent English, fluent English, praising God. And one of the Haitian women said to me, Pastor Myers, I was pastor then, Pastor Myers, Pastor Myers. She doesn't know English. She's from Haiti. She just came over. She's getting the Holy Ghost. I said, no, no, she's speaking English. She worshiping. No, she knows English. No, she doesn't. And when she got all through praying, got up and everything, she didn't know a word of English at all. She didn't know English. All she could speak was Haitian. But she spoke perfect, I mean, American-style English, not British or Austrian or Australian, I mean, or anything like that. Don't you love God? Oh, the word of God is so beautiful. So they begin to speak in tongues. Now, here's what Peter said on verse 14. But Peter standing up with the 11. That means they were all in unity with one accord agreeing. Standing up with the voice of the, and said unto them, ye men of Gal, Judea, and all ye that dwell in Judea, be at this known unto you and hearken unto me. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing as it but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel that in the last days God deployed his spirit. Now, he goes on and starts preaching to them, praise the Lord. And finally down in verse 37, when, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. That means ask God to forgive you of all your sins and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. There's the message right there. For the remission of sins, get baptized. Your sins are not just forgiven, they are remitted, which means they're taken away, washed away, taken away, and they're not accountable to charge against you anymore. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the gift. Notice where you shall receive the gift. They've got it, now you shall get it. For the promises unto you, to your children, to all that are far off. The promise was the gift of the Holy Ghost. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And down in verse 41, it says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day that was added unto them, that is unto the church then, about 3,000 souls. And I'm just going, it goes on and on. 
So I'm just pointing out to you here, here's how the day of Pentecost all began. And it began, of course, and then the Gentiles were brought into it. And I'm gonna move on here because I know I got a time limit here. Okay, this third, sixth dispensation began that. God then began to work among the Gentiles. Look in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. 1034. You say, Brother Myers, this is old hat with us. I know with some of you it is, but stay with me on it. I feel led of the Lord to give it to you. This is whenever Peter had been praying and asking God for some answers about things. And Cornelius, who had been a, an Italian uh, Roman soldier, he was a captain over a hundred people. Uh, he had been praying. And uh, the Lord sent an angel and told Cornelius, you send some men up there to Joppa, and there's a man by the name of Peter there, and he'll tell you what to do. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth, then Peter came down with them, and he brought with him six other disciples with him. So there were six Hebrews disciples, him, seven of them all together, and then there were these three men that had came, come up from Caesarea. So the 10 of them all went back down to Caesarea. So verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is of no respect of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And he began to preach unto them. And while he was preaching, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. This is these Gentiles now, these Italians. And they of the circumcision, that's the Jews, which believed that's those that came with Peter down there. There were six of them. And this is all brought out in chapter 11, verse, uh, verse 12. And as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They knew they were receiving the Holy Ghost. Here's how they knew that. Look, verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues or languages and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? Even after they were received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that was time to be baptized in water, even though they had not yet been baptized in water and had already received the Holy Ghost. I received the Holy Ghost before I was baptized in water. Went down the altar, repented, prayed through, and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then was taken out and baptized. Some of you were as well. But mostly we, get, we repent, we get baptized first, and then we receive the Holy Ghost mostly. That's the way it happens. Verse 47 and any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which ever see the Holy Ghost as well as we. Verse 48, and he commanded them, commanded that, that them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain day. And so God began to use then the Gentiles and work with the Gentiles. Now, looking at part B here, God called Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He called Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Reading here in 2 Timothy, this is what Paul is. I'm going to read you three verses here where Paul himself says that he is the apostle to the Gentiles. When God called Paul to be an apostle, he made him the apostle to the Gentiles. This is 2 Timothy, and this is chapter 1, verse 11. Wherefore, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. This is Paul talking about here. I'm going to read also in Romans 11, Romans 11:13. He says, "For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office." And then he goes on to uh, speak again in 
I'll give one more verse here in Romans uh, 15, 16. This is Romans 15, 16, that I should be, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God and the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So he again here asserts himself to be the minister uh, of the Gentiles and the apostles of the Gentiles. Another place he said that he said, just as Peter was the apostle to the Jews, I am to the Gentiles. He mentions that as well. So what we're pointing out to you here is that Paul, praise the Lord, was the apostle to the Gentile. Now, let me point out something. This is not in your notes. I want you to go to the ninth chapter of Acts with me, to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. This is Acts chapter 9. And this is uh, where Paul was converted. He was a mean old Jewish leader that was against all the Christians. God spoke him down. And uh, this is where he was converted and what happened was God smote him down and blinded him for three days and he went into the city of Damascus, which is Syria, just north of Israel. And he went into the city and uh, he waited and the Lord spoke to Ananias and said, I want you to go, Ananias, to this certain street and address and there's a man in there by the name of Saul, S-A-U-L, not Paul yet, but Saul. I want you to anoint him to be minister to me and and I said Lord this guy's a bad guy he's against all Christians he said no no Uh, he's going to be a special vessel for me to go there and anoint him that he may receive his sight so go and receive the Holy Spirit now verse 17 I'm looking here in 917 and Ananias went his way and entered into the house 917 this is not in your notes now and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice that, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, uh, from his eyes that had been scales, and he received sight forwith and rose and was baptized. And it says nothing about him receiving the Holy Ghost being, being and, and speaking in other tongues. Everybody see that? I've had people say, well, Paul never spoke in tongues. I beg your pardon. You ready for this? Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18. 14, 18. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Let's see if I can get to there. Well, let's just look up here. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul said that when he was writing to the Corinthian church. He just put it in there in one verse. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. So you say, Paul didn't speak in tongues. Oh, yes, he did. It may not have recorded it that he had spoken in tongues, but he received the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, he talked all about the Holy Ghost. And I won't get any further than that. Everybody knows that Paul was a great leader and great teacher of all of us. Let me move on here. Uh, See, as the gospel spread among the Gentiles, the Jews as a nation, as a nation now, began more and more to reject Christianity. Now, I think all of us know that. But Paul reminds us they were beginning to reject him. And 
I won't get into the detail, but there's a lot of scripture about it. But Paul, verse D here, Paul reminds us that Israel as a nation would be blinded. Now look at this verse, until the fullness of the Gentiles would be completed. We're, he, was, he reminded us of that. Now I want you to go to Romans eleven twenty five for just a moment here. Romans eleven twenty five. I'm trying to get back on track here. Where is it? Where is it? I got it here someplace. I'll find it. All right, eleven twenty five. This is what uh, Paul says when he's writing to the Roman church, the Romans about the Jews, the 11th chapter of the book of Romans is all about Israel and where they stand with God at that point, at that time, at this time. So he says here at verse 25, for I would not brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part is happened to Israel. In part means as a nation they're blinded, but there are still many Jews that are saved and many Jews that can be saved and they can be saved like anybody else. Now, I don't know if we have now, but we have had Jews in this church that were Jews in nationality, but they were Christians, baptized with the Holy Ghost, I mean, baptized in Jesus' name in water, baptized with the Holy Ghost, everything. And they, so maybe some of you that are, or some of you maybe have Jewish background of some type. Anyhow, he says, in part, until the fullness of the Gentiles be their blindness in part has happened to Israel until, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As a nation, it's going to happen. It's going to turn around. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away the ungodliness from Israel. So at this point here, that Israel is in until the time of the Gentiles. Now, to go along with that verse of scripture, there's a scripture in Luke, uh, Luke 21, that uh, speaks of that as well. I've got a note. I've got so many notes. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think we Yeah, here we go. Luke 21. Look at verse 24. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive, talking about the Jews, into all nations. It's exactly what happened. Jesus prophesied it would happen and it happened after Jesus. Jesus was crucified about somewhere close to 30 AD. Jerusalem fell in 70 AD, 40 years later. So 40 years before or some 40, three or four years before. Jesus prophesied, they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And that was in Daniel chapter nine, verse 26. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until, notice that, the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, the times of the Gentiles. Now, that's what we are now. That's why that Gentiles can be saved. That's, that's the grace of God that's given unto us. The Gentiles can be saved. Thank God for that. Thank God every day you ought to say, thank you, Lord, that you ever saved us Gentiles. We had no hope. We had nothing but by your grace. God's grace is unmerited or unearned favor. We never earned it. We have no right to it. It was to Abraham and his seed. 
But God, praise the Lord, opened it up to us Gentiles so we can be saved. Don't be snobbish with God. Don't be arrogant. Don't be high-minded. Don't be uh, trying to live with one foot in the world, one foot in the church. Don't try to carry sin in your life or just say, oh, I'll live like I want to live and I'll still go to church and I'll be uh, saved as well. No, no, no. Just commit your way to the Lord because God is so good to us. And folks, we cannot begin to imagine how great eternal life will be. I mean, just think about it. People go through this life and they have their time in the sun and they do their thing and people are trying to climb on top of the mountain and be the, the king of the hill and this goes on all over the world, everything. But it all comes to naught. It all comes to the end. We come to the end of the road in this life if Jesus should tarry. We come to the end of the road in this life, but in the eternal life, there is no end. There is no end. We live, praise the Lord, forever and forever and ever with the Lord. And in order to qualify and to be worthy of that, all we have to have is faith. And faith means believe the word of God and live by it. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Amen. Amen. No, without holiness, no man shall see. So live for God, walk with him, believe him with all your heart. And if you're not saved, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, get baptized. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet, ask God to give it to you and pour it out upon you. Praise the Lord. God will do it. God will pour out the Holy Ghost upon you. Praise the Lord. Uh, this happened to me one time. I don't know why I feel like telling you this, just off the cuff. But... Uh, I heard somebody praying one time and they started something like speaking in tongues, you know. They were going, in their language. And I said, that's not tongues. They're not speaking a language. They're just playing around with it. They were talking and saying utterances and the word was all involved in, their, in what they were saying. I said, that's not tongues. Shortly after that, I was with one of our return missionaries from Africa in his home in, in, in Atlanta, Georgia, with Sam Blatter. He's passed on now. But Sam Blatter says, I want you to see a movie with me. I said, okay. He showed me a movie. And it was about an African tribe because he had, he had been a missionary to Africa and loved Africa. And so he was showing me this movie and everything. And he was showing this guy walking. And he was talking, he started talking, and he talked just like that. I said, wait a minute, Sam, stop this movie. Is this the way they talk in that country, that tribe of people? Yeah, he said, there's a tribe that talks just like they do the pop and top sound as they talk. I said, you're kidding. He said, no. And I said, God, right there, I said, God, forgive me for doubting that person receiving the Holy Ghost whenever he was speaking in tongues of a, of a language that I knew nothing about, could not even understand. But when I saw it in the movie, and it was a guy in the movie that the missionary from, from, from Africa had received, praise the Lord, and the guy was talking in the African language of that tribe, and he was popping that same sound. I said, that's exactly what I heard that guy praying at the altar and speaking. And so I said, he did receive the Holy Ghost. So I said, God, never again will I doubt anybody receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. I just want to say here, folks, 
Always worship God, glorify God. Whatever God gives you, just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, praise God. God bless your hearts. I'll appreciate you so much. Uh, I'm going to go to verse 3 here very quickly. Our time's running out. I've got a lot to give you yet. This time of the Gentiles, what I just talked about, the church age, the gospel will be preached in all the world, all the world. And I think you well know this when I'm going to come to a wind up here. But if you look with me in Mark, Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is whenever the Jews had rejected Jesus and Jesus was telling these disciples, now here's what I want you to do, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't mean to the birds and squirrels, that means to people, amen. Verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Notice that. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues or languages. Praise the Lord. So I'm just giving you a picture here of what the Lord told them. And then, of course, Matthew uh, 24, 14 says, In this gospel that came shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. So I'm just pointing out to you here. <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> that the Lord has promised that he's going to do an end time work here. Look at number four. I'm coming down to the end here. God will yet deal. God will yet deal with Israel in these last days of this sixth dispensation. Now, at the end of this sixth dispensation, God is going to start dealing with Israel again because there's still three and a half years left. And uh, I want you to look with me in Hosea 6.2. It's not in your notes, but look up here with me. Hosea 6.2, and I think, thank you people for staying with me on all those things. After two days will he revive us. This is talking about Israel now. This is Hosea, the Old Testament. Talking about Israel. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. We shall live in his sight. So, since Jesus was on the cross, it's been now nearly, it's been about 2,000 years, Right? This is 2023. Am I right? I think you think it's 2023. Anyhow, uh, we're, it says, in the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. You say, well, that's talking about two 24 hour days. No, no, no. Look at Second uh, Peter 3.8. 2 Peter 3.8. Look at this. This is a sort of reminder that what this verse really means. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So Israel should be blinded for two days. And folks, that's about how long it has been, give or take, you know. It's been about 2,000 years that Israel has been on the back burners. God's people, God's ancient people, but they're still his people. They're his ancient people. We are the people of God today, the church but the Jews are his, his ancient people and they're on the back burner, but he's going to bring them back to the front again because they, we're going to go through the thousand years of peace. Praise the Lord. And so the scriptures tell us <clears throat> that it's going to happen. And so next week, I got some good scriptures to talk to you about. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about and, and there in the end here and also get into the next lesson. But I just want to let you know, folks, that we are living in some serious times. 
And I'm going to get into this thing about Israel turning back to God because Israel, praise the Lord, is at a place right now where that, see, let me say this. I always knew that as long as America, as strong and as great as America has been in the world, if we'd stand with Israel, Israel would be okay. But when America starts shifting and starts changing their attitude toward Israel, and that spirit is happening in America today against the Jews. Now, are the Jews right? Or are they wrong? I don't know. We've got, we've got people from Iran that's in this, members of this church. They come to this church. I'm not going to say anything about nationalities or anything like that, never. But I'm just trying to say here that with the Jews, we have to remember that we've got to understand that they are God's ancient people and God's not through with them yet. God's not through with them yet. So what's going on over there? So I'm going to try to share some things with you, praise the Lord, next week. But I feel like that God would have us to know about it and things that you can keep your eyes open and know what's going to happen. Folks, it's in the book. It's in here. It's in here. It's already there. Praise the Lord. I'm going to share some things with you. God bless you. Let's stand together and let's thank God and praise his name. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just worship him together. Jesus, we love you.